It's a belated episode 56 of the Metro Fan TV rundown coming to you live on the eve of the MLS Cup final. I don't know if this episode will actually come out after the MLS Cup final has happened, but on this podcast, we do not recognize the illegitimate trophies of the world. Okay. Anyway, that being said, Metro Fan TV, yes, back in action to review the 2021 season and everything that's transpired. In this up and down roller coaster emotion roller coaster of emotions season, and alongside me are my co-pilot Juan Escalante. How are you? I'm all right, Lens. You just reminded me that uh, the the League Cup final is tomorrow. I will not be watching. Uh, I don't know what I would be doing instead. But I'll have you heard of this thing do. called All Japan Pro Wrestling? Featuring Ooh. the four pillars of heaven. <laughs> I have not. Can you, can you, we'll have to take this off podcast. <laughs> Do you want to see guys get horrendous neck trauma? Maybe. <laughs> are are we doing a fun. spinoff podcast? Is that what you're doing <laughs> in the off yeah, season? Gonna be, yeah, it's going to be squared circle fan TV during the off season. Just so oh, you know. yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> And as you could tell by that last section, yes, ladies and gentlemen, Fernando Gonzalez has reemerged. How are you, Fernando? I'm good. I'm alive. I'm not dead. So that's always a plus. Yes. <laughs> Is it though in this day and age? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I think that's the first uh, first uh, round of offseason news uh, that's coming up our way. We are pivoting to become an all elite wrestling podcast. No, JK. Uh, yeah, this is no, this is still a soccer podcast first and foremost. Um, banter aside, um, I know the viewers won't be able to see this, but I actually have my username right now in the um Zencaster room that we're recording this on is Kenta Kobashi, <laughs> the burning hammer. That's right, boys. Only, but we're not here to talk about um. Like this punch sport where men grapple each other in your underwear. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about something maybe a bit more um, real to life. Let's talk about Red Bull Soccer. Specifically, Red Bull Soccer in the great state of New, New Jersey. That's right. Um, the New York Red Bulls 2021 season came to an end, I think, as everybody knows. Uh, on the road in Philadelphia. Um, actually, not even really Philadelphia. I mean, like it's like North. It's like South South Jersey. Chester, Pennsylvania, um, at the stadium formerly known as Talon Energy Stadium. I think it's Subaru Park now, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, it's been so long, I don't, I don't really care. Rather, Podunk 1-0 road in extra time. 1-0 loss, I should say, in extra time off of Golasso from Jacob Glesnes. So, um, really, I think um, all things considered, uh, when we sneak sneaking into the playoffs off the backs of a pretty... Um, Pretty good defensive run towards the end of the year, right? Grinding out 1-0 victories. And uh, kind of the, the playoff game kind of went as we expected, right? Uh, as we know about this team, uh, very defensively sound, uh, if rather lacking in ideas and attack. But nevertheless, you know, so enough chances to win the game just didn't really manifest itself. But, you know, I think... Um, on the grounds of that, we don't really need to spend too much time breaking down the Philly playoff game too much because I think it's sort of like a pretty good microcosm for where this team stands, right, going into the offseason this year. Like, 
great defensive performance as usual. I think the defensive scheme, I think, uh, you know, uh, working as usually intended, good breakout games as well for everybody involved, right? I think uh, we saw that um, it seems to be that three at the back would be the preferred formation going into big games like this, right? I think uh, seeing Struber deploy that 3-6-1 formation um, once more, which kind of tips your hand at that perhaps being the go-to formation for next year as of now, um, having, but, you know, Stranger things have happened, as we know, in the Red Bull soccer world. And I think that brings us to um, our main point of discussion, right? I think, guys, uh, looking back on the year that's transpired um, and looking ahead to next year, I mean, I think um, this was a season um, that was very much defined by its um, up and downness, right? A lot of good that can be taken away, but also a lot of bad. Right. And I think, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to come out and red say it, that I'm not going to be super proud of the fact that we snuck into the playoffs as the seventh seed. But that doesn't discredit the fact that there are foundational elements for what could be a really good side next year if we make some good moves in the transfer window this offseason. Right. Um, so, yeah, uh, gents, thoughts in the season from you guys? I mean, I think. <clears throat> Having having had a couple, you know, little time to, to kind of sit on it, um, and really just kind of reflect on the whole year. <clears throat> I, I think the the best word for me to describe the season was just annoying. <laughs> um, I mean, I I don't think I've said the word annoying more in the last year than I probably did combined in, in my entire life. There was just it's really just a perfect word. It was fucking annoying. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you kind of. To start the season, it was annoying for for the team to miss so many games for preseason because of COVID. Um, it was annoying to see the team starting to click a little bit, and then some random thunderstorm happens and lightning and shit. Game gets postponed, and then all of a sudden things start falling apart. That was annoying, um, and then things got you know worse with injuries. That was fucking annoying, uh, and then the team just completely fucking fell apart for a while there. But at the same time, it was also good to see them start, you know, kind of pick pieces up and they really did have to dig deep. You know, for me, it's one thing if you're kind of just like flailing along the whole season, you're just just completely mediocre for a whole season and, and you just end up in seventh. This team was garbage for a, a sizable part of, of the summer, like just straight up trash to, to put it to put it lightly. Um, I'm not even going to try to like you know beat around the bush. There's of course a multitude of reasons for them playing that bad, but it is what it is. At the end of the day, you're playing poorly. You're playing. You're playing uh, poorly. But to see them kind of pick themselves up and, and make that run towards the end, it's it's different how they finish the season in seventh. And again, if they just kind of floated along and just landed in seventh, so it's definitely a credit to, to Struber and, and the guys for really pulling it together. That being said, honestly, man. The season ended kind of in the most deserving way. I mean, as good as that run was, it really was pretty much just anchored at the fact that the team had one of the best defensive performances probably in league history. Top five, easy, I, I think you could argue, for, for that stretch. It was it was absolutely incredible, <clears throat> especially considering how many injuries the team had in the back line and, and just in the defensive side for, for you know so long of the season. And, of course, you know, you had the, the, the Brazilian god – just not letting anything fucking buy in <laughs> such a fucking, such a, a season. 
but the team still the entire time didn't really show any glimmer of hope on the attack. Uh, they 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 were incredible on the defending side, but fuck, that was just the most anemic attacking output I've probably ever seen this team have, or or, or at least at least in the last ten years. I mean, it was really fucking bad. Statistically speaking, I think it was actually the worst, one of the worst seasons in team history. Um, so I, I guess there was a little bit of almost, I want to say false hope because I, I really didn't think that we would make the, we would go too, too deep, but definitely a little glimmer of hope because, you know, defense wins championships. I don't care what sport it is for the most part. That's kind of what it is. You know, of course you, you still need to score though. Um, and when a team that was just struggling so bad to fucking score a goal, even shit house goals, we couldn't even get those. Like we 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 retapped out on those goals at some point, and that's what I knew it was over. So, you know, it sucks. The team did their job defensively. You kind of give up a weird fucking goal, which I mean, it it, it happens. You know, it, it is what it is. But it kind of ended the way it kind of should have ended. You know, I, I think. For me, the way I look at it is the season, when I say the season ended the way it, it should have, we got we got the right amount of hope, right? The right amount of good, positive things to, to, to be humbled in one end with how the season ended. But there's still there were still enough good foundational things to look back on and be, okay, you know what? This sucks. Be real with how things were for the whole totality of the season, which wasn't all really good. But- I really do feel good about going into next season. There really is a good foundation. Of course, we're losing some guys on loan, but the core of the team is still going to be there. And I trust I trust Kevin that he's going to make some moves uh, during this window, strong moves to, to really build upon that foundation. So it's not ideal. It sucks. You know, it was definitely a little bit of more hope, I think, than maybe we should have allowed ourselves to have. But in a way, it's good that everyone was humbled. The fans were humbled by by how it ended, and and certainly the the players and, and the staff were humbled. And and just kind of just one quick little reminder, like, good job for what you did towards the end of that. But all that was was just a foundation. The real work now comes during this offseason and preparing for next year in a better run. Yeah, Um I think part of me went into the season thinking like conflicted of whether or not I should call this a rebuilding year, but rather a, a proof of concept year. So rather than right. uh, rebuilding as in suggesting that like we'd be okay with middling performances and being a mediocre team, but rather um, coming away with the season based on the performances this year as like seeing at least a plan in place with this new team, with this new manager, with this new sort of um, sporting outlook with the team that we can at least see, even in cases when players didn't perform to what we expected them to, we could at least see an archetype of a player that we would need going into the off season outside of even just like, Oh, we need a guy who could score goals or, Oh, we need a number 10. Like we could see what kind of skill sets of the kind of player we would want going into the transfer market next year um, based on who worked and who didn't work. And uh, I like Fernando said, I don't, I don't, yeah, I didn't, I hate the playoffs as, as you guys know, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I am a, I am a supporter shield truther, but uh, uh, 
with the regular season in mind, I, I personally feel vindicated at least to make the playoff spot. It, not even just like that as a playoff spot, but that's seventh place, like right in the middle of the pack above teams that spend significantly more money than us and completely shit the bed. Uh, not just in the Eastern Conference, but also in the Supporter Shield table as well. Uh, because I get the sense that in this league, or whoever fucking re- read that like first chapter of Soccer Nobs and be like, oh, the team that spends the most money on salaries typically do well. Well, they didn't. There were like five teams that spend more money <laughs> no. than us, and they fucking stuck this year, and we finished above them. Yeah, right. the, the top ten was like vastly shit teams this year. It was, it was actually pretty impressive. Right. It was like Inter Miami was near the top, weren't they? And uh, well, I mean, yeah. Uh, does, does anything else need to be said <laughs> other than that? Um, I think I think you you you, you phrase it well, proof of concept. Because in, in MLS, like every year, I mean, it's just a weird league in some ways, right? Especially with the salary caps and such extreme parity, and and the fact that you do have teams that you know you kind of look on paper and you're like, how? Like, how do they do good? Just like you look at a, you know a team and their roster, like wait, how do they do bad? You know, it's it just it's kind of is what it is. But it's hard to have a, a true rebuilding year in this league, just because so much can change from from year to year, and the fact that you know more than half the fucking league makes the playoffs, and from there you, you really kind of never know on a one game knockout format where you just have to win three or four times, not even win. You could actually draw and just beat them on penalty, you know, on on, on penalty kicks. And, and win the cup there's such such a varied element there so proof of concept thing is is a good way to put it because i feel like that's kind of what us and most of you guys this season talked about how you know between the loans and just in general so many things going on this year that a lot of it was let's figure out what the foundation of this plan is going to be and kind of grow from there so it's you're right it's more of a, of a proof of concept than anything else and to give the team like a little bit of credit, like a lot of the problems we had were out of the team's control. Like we weren't expecting like half the defense to get injured and like guys just to be out of form. So it's like there's always part of your thing like, well, what 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 if, right? What if these things didn't happen when we, we would because, you know, we saw the team playing pretty well early in the season. Um, and you would think like, do we continue this form before, right before that summer slump? And it's like, oh, yeah, what if like a productive young midfielder didn't have his pen appendix explode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gee, huh? that was kind of weird, huh? Um, I think, but, but you know, I think for all this talk about the summer slump being kind of like a, you know, a, a pivotal moment of the season, I think what we do have to recognize, right. Is that um, it wasn't just the personnel thing, but I think it was also quite clear that the um, intended go-to tactical setup, right. The four, four, two diamond, just wasn't really working, right? There was that incongruity between the personnel on the squad and how they were executing this formation, right? And I think um, there's no more apparent where I think uh, than the unfortunate um, demise of the Fabio Klimala strike partnership, which we were all pretty, you know, high on and were hoping it would work out. But you know, I think uh, as the season went on, and you kind of saw that not only were the strikers kind of getting in each other's way, right, the spacing, but also the fact that. Um, the midfield access to Sean Davis and uh, a rotating door next to him. I guess it was Christian Caceres, Drew Yearwood, et cetera, et cetera, at some point. Just couldn't have the um, – just didn't have the engine needed to cover that amount of ground by themselves as a midfield too, right? So in a way, like I think what can't be overlooked going into the summer slump is, isn't just the injuries to the personnel, but also the fact that the manager's tactics just weren't really 
working out. Yeah, yeah. But this is where we also have to credit the manager, right, for eventually <clears throat> landing on something that stick up, which was this three six one formation that saw Davis and Yearwood as a double pivot, and uh, the likes of Carmona, Casares, and uh, Clark as like a midfield three in front of them. Omir Fernandez also slotting in like as an attacking midfielder. Late season success story, right? Omir Fernandez coming in and looking like uh, that missing linking piece in midfield that um, we needed beneath the striker, right? Looking, looking like the, the the talented player in that first leg of uh, Champions League who scored and then never played again. Right. Yeah. Man. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to uh, litigate memories of uh, Santos Laguna. Thank you. Uh, that being Sorry. said, that being said, please sign Julio Furch. This is a this is a pro this is a pro Julio Furch podcast. We sign Julio Furch. I don't care how old he is; he's a monster. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I mean, like that. This is where we talk about. Um, yeah, I mean, like again, like I said, you know, we have to kind of give the manager shit for getting this into the situation. But in the inverse of that is that we also have to credit him for getting us out of it. And landing in something that works, right? And based on that alone, right, I think you can take a look at what we have on hand and say that at the very least, we have three quarters of a really good four-man back line. And with the fact that Aaron Long is coming back from a season-ending injury going into next year, right, I think you can say that we already have a pretty decent crops of center backs like, that are ready to go, right? I mean, uh, Sean Nealis and Andres Reyes are arguably, like, I mean, Carlos Coronel will get the headlines and goal, but, I mean, we also cannot overlook the emergence of uh, Sean Nealis and Andres Reyes is a rock-solid center-back pairing. Um, cannot overlook John Tolkien emerging as, like, a, you know, an, uh, M- at the very least, an MLS quality, starting quality left-back in his first full professional season at senior level, right? After a lost year at Red Bull 2, I think that was a huge development and a really good testament to this team's ability to, uh, you know, bring young players through, right? That was a really nice thing to see. So then the question for me is, is what happens on the right side of the defensive half, right? Seeing as how Kyle Duncan, the incumbent, has now moved on to uh, Belgium, which isn't real for the record. Um, But yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry for uh, temporarily recognizing Belgium, but I have to do this thought exercise. Um, Yeah, so going to Oostend or or what? I think that's the the name of the team, right? Oostende, yeah. Oostende, so that implies the uh, existence (laughs) of a women's club called uh, Westende. Get it? Because Westend girls. Ha 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 ha! Shout out to all the Pet Shop Boys fans uh, who listen to this podcast. That one was for you, pals. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, I think Tom Edwards is kind of up in the air, right? We don't know if he's going to be going back to Stoke or if he's going to be coming back, uh, making it permanent. It seems that the team wants to bring him to Jersey full time, right? And I think just based on the fact that he can slot in on the right side of a three-man back line while also spotting minutes at right back if we go for four-man end configuration. You know, I think that flexibility and versatility, like that flexibility adds a lot to the squad build just in that alone, right? I mean, you have a guy who can squad in pretty well at two positions and even maybe play a third as an emergency defensive midfielder if it really comes to it, right? There's value, inherent value in that versatility that we cannot overlook. So if the price is right, you know, I mean, hopefully we bring him back. That's all I'm basically at. Um, but that being said, um, I think to go back to 
the defensive corps, right? I think you'd probably pin them as the MVPs of the season for me. Um, and like, I think it's been touched upon. Um, it's a matter of connecting, uh, talking about, sorry, no, sorry, not connecting. It's talking about the ability to connect with the attack now, I guess, right? I think, um, you know, and I will bring this up again, having defended him to the death, but I do think that if you give Patrick Klimala a greater volume of chances, right, he is going to be a guy that scores a lot of goals for you. You know, I think just based on just based on his ability to find space, run into space doggedly, and run the channels well, you know, I think we are a couple midfielders away from really unlocking what he can do, you know. And um, I think uh, the late season surge especially kind of showed what you can do when you have uh, players that are capable of linking in behind him, right? Um, you know, I think uh, that's sort of going to be my big offseason priority. But to give a cliff notes of uh, the last, I think, three or four minutes of what I've just talked about, uh, my shopping list going into the offseason would be obviously a new right back. Um, I would like an attacking midfielder. I don't think we really need a new striker. Uh, and I think uh, we would probably be good to bring in a couple attacking midfielders, right? One that can play a bit more centrally. And uh, one, I think uh, we'll touch upon this later, but I think Lewis Morgan is a good pickup for us, right? Because um, guy who can, left-footed guy who plays as an inverted winger, who can kind of cut into the inside. Um playing out wide in a three-man attacking midfield line, right? While creating space for an overlapping fullback to run into to provide depth, creating the overloads in the center that Gerhard Schuber like, kind of likes to do with his attacking scheme. You know, I think it's moves like that, you know, that that could pay dividends in the long run. But that would also be on my shopping list, basically. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, <clears throat> the, the, the easy and cheap... Uh, I guess comparison to to how I can see Morgan working with Klimala is is similar to uh, Brad and Royer in 2018, where mm. you know they tried for so long to get two straight up full on strikers to to play up top together, and they just couldn't get it done. So many different players they tried, and it just never worked. It didn't work until <clears throat> you know they started using a, a Royer more as a guy kind of just tucking in and and you know, running different channels and, and just not, not always being a straight up striker. Um, and I, I can kind of, I can kind of see that being the, I guess, just a general idea, not to say they're trying to replicate that, but just on the surface, a similar type of situation where, you know, it's clear that Fabio and Klimala did not like, they just, they just didn't work together. Um, <clears throat> there were definitely moments in the beginning of the season where it seemed like they were kind of working and starting to gel together. And I don't know, quite what happened if there were just some tactical change that had to get done that just pulled them apart or they just didn't have enough consistent time and or who knows but whatever it is at the end of the day it didn't work they they, they shared too much space too many times um fabio seemed to get a little frustrated uh a little too much and and would or maybe he was he was told to kind of drift a little bit more and it, i don't know it just didn't it didn't look right and clearly by the you know, by a little more than halfway, about two thirds into the season, we saw, you know, Schubert was pretty set on just a single striker. But yeah, I think maybe this is something that could work. You know, again, having someone who's going to be kind of drifting in more as opposed to, as opposed to just being a full on out and out striker. 
Well, but yeah, a, a, an attacking mid for sure, a central attacking mid, and and a couple more attacking mid players. We really need to shore up that that right that right back spot. Well, I think with regards to what wasn't really working when they were in that two striker formation, right? As I think it's simply just the fact that there weren't a lot of support runs coming from the midfield like they were early in the season, right? Once Castro exactly. went down, you didn't have yeah, a lot of those late surging runs to the edge of the penalty area that were could take up take up the space that was uh, created by the two strikers kind of drifting out wide, right? And I think um, in a two striker formation, especially, I think they had a bit of difficulty. Um, figuring out the timing for when they'd be making their secondary runs into space. Because, I mean, how many times this season would you see, like, Fabio and Klimala in a breakaway in a two-striker formation, and they're basically the only ones up in attack with each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, hard to really build that connection, right, when they are the only two guys up there in attack. So basically what I've been pointed to is that you also need to have the fullbacks be able to streak up the field when that happens in transition. You also need to have... Uh, people in the center of the field who are bold enough to make those runs as well, right? What made that Barnsley team work when Struber was there was the fact that as soon as the ball got turned over and one of the strikers received the ball out on the wing, you'd have the other striker kind of flushing in from the, on the, from the weak side flank, cutting into the middle of the field to give an option. You'd have the attacking midfielders and uh, you had the attacking midfield, you'd have the attacking midfielder in the middle streaking into space right? Basically, wherever the ball was flushed to, right, you'd have a whole bunch of people making supporting runs boldly up the field. And that's kind of what we need, right? We need we need those runner-type players, right? It's less about having an attacking midfielder that can thread a through ball or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, as useful as that is. It's actually really all about attacking midfielders who are able to operate in a way that, sorry for invoking his name, but Frank Lampard at Chelsea used to be able to do, right? The secondary <laughs> runs into space around the box that was opening up. That's the kind of attacking midfielders that we need in this formation, right? The guys who can interpret the space and run into them. You know, I, I think Emil Forsberg has been pinpointed as another guy who can do that. If you want to go back to, uh, you know, the Red Bull um, Rolodex, you can look at, you know, I mean, I think a Siad Haksibanovic would have been a perfect fit for that kind of formation. But RIP, he's gone to Russia. We cannot, uh, <laughs> we cannot dwell in spilt milk. And, you know, I think that's why I think the Lewis Morgan acquisition is sort of like a good first step in that regard, right? Because if you look at some of his tape from Inter-Miami, yeah, you, you do see some of that uh, ability, right? The ball gets won in the counterattack, and he's streaking up the field alongside, uh, you know, the likes of, uh, I guess, Rodolfo Pizarro. And uh, Higuain doesn't run, so, you know, like... We Higuain, cannot, yeah, no. We, we, we cannot just... say Higuain. Traffic coding. What's interesting about Morgan is that on paper, it would look like he would be a like for like switch with Kyle Duncan, not just it, because on paper they're like in the same spot as like that right wing back spot because Miami also played with three center backs. I think partly because they sucked and also because they couldn't, they weren't counting on having three center backs by the end of the game. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be down to 10 men almost every other game. But, um, I, and, but then the only similar thing they would have, it would, would have been, uh, they're both dribbly boys. They both like to create off the dribble, but I guess you get the difference between the two of them is that uh, Morgan is more nominally a an attacking player being being played in that right wing back spot, whereas Kyle Duncan is very much a defender being allowed uh, to flex his creative muscles uh, in the attacking third. Um, so we pro- so when I look at the highlights from Morgan, it's less. It's less Kyle Duncan and more, I would think, 
Omir Fernandez being a guy yeah. who can sort of create quickly off the dribble. Um, yeah. And then, and the most interesting thing about me for Lewis Morgan is that I was under the impression that he start. So he started, he's pretty much played every single game for Miami on that right-hand side. And I was under the impression that he was left-footed and would be cutting inside. Um, but then someone pointed out that he's actually right-footed because most of his goals have been scored with his right foot. And I had to look up his highlights and I'm like, wait a minute, maybe he's just two footed, but, and here's the most interesting thing. I watched a clip of one of his goals and it starts with him taking a free kick, uh, a, a corner kick for Miami. And he takes the corner kick with his right leg. And then Miami wins the penalty. And then he takes the penalty with his left leg. Like what? <laughs> we wow. have Scottish Santi Cazorla. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, okay, whatever. This guy seems good, but this is the level of novelty that gets me on board with a signing. I, I imagined a conversation on the uh, where the webmaster was like, so Lewis, uh, which, which foot should we uh, list you as being? And he's like, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> which foot are you dominant in? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I am dominant in foot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, just so that we provide a bit of context, uh, just in the event that people don't know what we're talking about. Uh, um, yeah, basically, um, the big transfer news that broke recently is that we actually did acquire Lewis Morgan from Inter-Miami for about $1.2 million in TAM. And uh, I, I, I shared the sentiment that, you know, I think he can slot in at right wing back, but also this shouldn't be something that is exclusive to that, right? I think just based on the player profile alone, definitely see that he'd slot he'd be a better fit perhaps as a one of those wide attacking midfielders in that line of three that Schuber was deploying behind a striker right as the season went on right like one of those uh the omir fernandez role basically i think as it has been pointed out and i think it'd be a better fit than trying to shoehorn two central midfielders i think in like carmona and caceres into trying to make something out of that right um i think um it, it reflects to me the fact that 361 wasn't the go-to plan going into this year, but ended up being the plan because like uh, it worked, right? And uh, there's still some incongruity on the roster because, uh, you know, um, we to put together a roster that was meant to play a formation that we abandoned halfway through the season because it wasn't working to do something else. And that's not necessarily a knock on roster construction. Right. In fact, it's more of a pragmatic thing for management, right? They kind of recognized that 442 Diamond wasn't working, so they had to change course midseason. And that's kind of what happens sometimes in soccer, right? Your plan A doesn't work. They chance upon a plan B. And now I think it, the plan the plan is, seems to be to make plan B and a plan A. And the moves, I think, in off offseason will probably reflect that. You're probably going to be finding more... There'll probably be more moves coming that um, will help develop that. Right. So in a way, uh, this is part and parcel of a change sometimes, right? A roster. And I think, uh, again, you know, some uncongruity in the roster, but, you know, I think uh, we do have the resources needed to kind of build around that and fill in the gaps as needed. So watch this space, basically. It does seem to be that uh, based on what we've seen so far, that we might be coming out with a three-man back line, I think, is to go to for next year. Um, 
Let's shift our focus a little bit here. Um, I think uh, we've spent a lot of time, I think, uh, on the drudgery of uh, the summer years. But I think, of course, I think uh, it'd be a good time as any to talk about moments and players that caught our eye this season, right? I think I already touched upon this a little bit. But, of course, we are all very effusive of our praise of our back line, right? I think it'd be very safe to say uh, we are a very good defensive team. And uh, it prides me to say this. I think you guys already know what's coming, just based on me saying that. But we all like to see, especially, a goalkeeper thrive, right? (laughs) (laughs) Of course, I think uh, we'll get to the other decisions and roster decision day soon. But, I mean, I think, uh, as everyone will tell you, uh, the uproar of joy that would accompany the announcement that a certain Carlos Miguel Coronel was uh, made permanent for three years, right? Going into uh, next season. You know, I mean, I think uh, it's very well-deserved, isn't it, boys? I mean, without question, I think uh, we wouldn't even make the playoffs if it weren't for some of those performances straight up. You know, I think, um, and it's not just a shot-stopping either. I think uh, based on the, I, I talked about this quite a fair bit on this podcast as well, but, you know, it's the, it's the long ball, right? It's the long ball distribution from the back. You know, the accurate pinpoint kicks into um, where this press sets up, you know, further high up the field. I mean, that's a very, very understated weapon in the Red Bull tactical um, playbook, right? Being able to trigger the press off an accurate goal kick that's placed into, you know, a part of the field where you're set up to press, basically. You know, it's a far cry from days where, you know, you'd have Luis Robles, like, hashing balls to the to the touchline <laughs> and the likes. And it goes without saying, right? I think if you look at basically every traditional and advanced metric that you can see in goalkeeping, right? I think uh, Coronel has positioned uh, himself close, if not near the, yeah, yeah, close to the top. I think, like, top five in most uh, advanced metrics on American soccer analysis um just the uh, goals allowed versus expected goals um differential which i think he was definitely top five you know which indicates a guy whose uh, shot stopping ability has basically saved the skin of our um saved the skin of this team many many times this season and you know we're just so glad to see that continue um so yeah i don't know uh, i guess um I'll, I'll leave it out to the floor. I mean, like, uh, any other things stand out for you guys, moments, players from the season that you will uh, hold dear for the rest of your life? Uh, we didn't lose to New York City FC this year, which is very funny to me. That We, we, got, we got three points at Yankee Stadium. That was, that was a very fun night. <laughs> yeah, that was a good night. The... Uh, the Jersey Boys on a Bender, David V is a sex offender a... chant. Oi, chef's kiss. Incredible. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, it was nice to exercise our demons at Yankee Stadium. That's for sure, right? I mean, it's uh, hard to forget that uh, up until this year, we hadn't actually won a game at Yankee Stadium since the 7-0 thrashing, I believe. Um, so nice to see us, um, you know, put that to bed at the very least. Uh, anything, st- anything else stand out for you guys? Anything else you want to talk about that transpired this year? 
I mean, honestly, not even a specific moment. I think just in general, a realization that we can finally just turn a page from from the last regime. Like just everything about 2015 to 2019. I'm not going to say 2020 because that's that's just a missing year. Just 2020 didn't happen in the whole earth. Um, so pretty much everything from 2015 to 2019 is just gone. Like we can officially turn a page. There's, uh, It's just different. You know, like we're 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 going forward. We don't have to think about the past. We don't have to compare it to, to those times anymore. It's it's time to just you know let the error go. The team is fundamentally different. Uh, the direction of the team is different. It's just it's a different time. You know, we can we can embrace this this new era of of you know of just something new. I mean, it's just it feels new, right? It's just there's something different about about uh about how this, the direction this team is going under Struber and, and especially uh, uh, Kevin, where, I don't know, I feel like <clears throat> I feel like for the last couple of, couple of seasons, we've been maybe chasing something that just wasn't going to happen again, which was 2018. And we don't, again, we don't, we don't have to think about that. Like that, that's it. You know, we're, 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 we're reaching for something just completely different. Of course, winning is the most important thing that, that, that you know, it's the ultimate goal. And we were doing quite a bit of that in 2018, but uh, I guess how the team goes about it, the identity of the team, just everything. You know, I feel like this year was almost cathartic, even though it, it obviously didn't end in, a, in, a, in a, an ideal way. I feel like for the first time I can look forward to the team and, and just, that's it, just look forward. I don't have to keep looking back anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I think that just warned like a brief, discussion right knowing that i think what we know about red bull global doesn't really seem to stand true anymore right i mean ralph ragnick's not around anymore really orchestrating a grand global <clears throat> project and it's interesting to talk about because red bull soccer in general themselves are very much at a crossroads right leipzig seem a bit directionless um the way that the marsh succession has been handled and indicates you know some a general lack of foresight i would say i think um I still do think we will be drawing from other Red Bull teams to take on players, but I think as far as it goes, a global synergy, I'm not really convinced that um, all the four clubs are going to be as connected as we hypothesized previously, right? It does kind of seem that yeah. we are moving more towards a decentralized fiefdom, decentralized fiefdoms that kind of roughly play the same way, but more or less operate somewhat in in independently of each other, right? It's not so much... Uh, or I mean, they still will be switching talent around, I will imagine. We're probably not going to be uh, seeing the last of Salzburg and Leipzig buying players from, from us. But at the same time, I think uh, it's not a case at all where Ke I think Kevin Thelwell, like takes direction from like Oliver Mintzlaff or whatever. right? I think he's probably been invoked of a lot more authority to um, given some a rough outline to work towards and it's up to him to interpret how to implement that as he sees fit. Right. So. Yeah. I, I, th I think a lot of that is actually plays, plays a big part of, of what I was just saying that like, it definitely plays a part of, of just moving forward because for the last, you know, X amount of years, it's, it's, you know, rebel global soccer, rebel global soccer synergy. And it, it really seems like it was Ralph this whole time and yeah. for, for us specifically it was, it was Jesse um, it really seemed like this team's success really kind of just fed between those two people. And once both of those left, uh, it was that was kind of it. 
And you've seen, we saw uh, in between 2019 and, and even into 2020 a little bit, um, just kind of a mess. You know, the, the, we, we said it, the phrase so many times, just a rudderless ship. And that's really how this this, this team was for a while. And, and you're kind of seeing Leipzig being like that too. You know, you're, you're, there's, there's, it's very much a rudderless ship right now. Once Ralph left, and once Nagelsmann uh, left, Marcus Crush as well. I think you cannot understand. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yep, yep, definitely. So it just seems like in general, um, they're kind of seems like Red Bull soccer as a whole is is almost like we, what we were in like 2019, where it was just like we just existed. You know, there was no clear path. There was no clear accountability, which is weird because at the end of the day, Mintz Life is the person who manages all of Red Bull, uh, Red Bull soccer. He is, he is, uh, 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 what's his name is, you know, right-hand man in, in this whole process. So that kind of really gives me comfort, comfort knowing that we have Kevin there because this is someone who, you know, he directed a, a successfully directed a premier league club and he did a great job there. So and, uh, built up the Wales program as well. I think uh, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I always forget about that. That's good for bringing that up. And so, uh, the Academy set up at Wolves too, not just uh, the first team in the Premier League. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Vertical so structures if, up and down both programs. Yeah. Yeah. So like to, to kind of, yeah. So that definitely links what I was saying where, I don't know, man, it's just seeing how, seeing how things were for the, with this team for a little while. And, and, and even just that, that the first initial year or so of, of when Kevin took over and then seeing just Red Bull in general, the soccer program just kind of, I don't say fall apart, but definitely um, split, I guess you could say, makes it feel good. Cause it's like, okay, you know, we don't have to really think too much about what the other clubs are doing because, you know, we, this is now a definitely a more independently run uh, a, a club. So we really can't just kind of focus on what's happening here, and that really is the priority. Not, not, not saying that this team wasn't a priority, but that like it was more like a meeting of the minds. Like, oh hey guys, let's all do this to you. Know, some like just broader team bullshit, as opposed to this is the New York Rebels, and this is what we need to do to succeed. And and Kevin's going to do what he has to do to make that to make that happen. You know? Yeah. Um, I think it's probably going to be privy to launch probably my most heretical idea on uh, this podcast so far, but I think we cannot see the way that we were playing 2015, 2018, and saying that this is what the system is anymore. No. Yeah, no. Okay, yeah, I think like not. I want to say that we are probably moving on from that era where all out balls to the wall pressing is um, probably the go to. Right, and then if anything, it's yeah. adjusting to the overall meta of European soccer in general. Right, gigan right. pressing yeah, is pressing, not new. Yeah, pressing soccer is. Uh, I'm not saying it's saying a wane, but there's an ad definitely an adaptation of uh, just because of the arms race between possession based soccer versus, uh, you know, counter pressing, and you know, we saw and which we saw first time we saw like. Um, who would be like Sar, like Sar, like uh, uh, what's his name, Mauricio Tsari, playing sort of an anti-pressing uh, style with his Napoli team? Yeah, especially the way that he's a, I think Milinkovic Savic is like sort of like that battering ram, right? Yes. <laughs> with all those uh, people running like off of him. Uh, yeah, 
and look, that's soccer, right? There's there's been so many different eras of of soccer ideas in its long history of existence. It was only a matter of time before that types of they, that type of balls at a wall soccer just kind of wasn't uh, wasn't going to be as ideal, and, and you need some kind of wrinkle to it. Um, not not to say that you know pressing doesn't work, and 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 you know you have to become some possession based team because I don't think that's the, the case at all, but. You definitely have to just kind of broaden your ideas and, and, and change things up. And I'm fine with that. You know, what 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 worked six years ago, I, I can't really say I really expect it to work now. You know, there's always going to be some kind of change. Yeah. Um, I and, and I feel like even I, I only bring this up because it's somewhat relevant. But, you know, in 2018, when that ball to the wall type of, of soccer was obviously working, you know, and then going into 2019, my hesitant, my hesitance wasn't so much uh, going away from it as opposed to the method of doing it. It just clearly wasn't working. You know, if if the person I will not name, like successfully implemented a more you know possession type of wrinkle, cool, awesome. Why? Because we still would be winning. So if this is now the direction that the team is going to be going, cool, awesome. Just make sure you do it in a way that that allows us to win. And I feel like we're seeing that foundation being done. You know, the, the, the team is still, still by far the most, you know, high pressing, aggressive pressing team in the whole league by a pretty wide margin, but you definitely do see more wrinkles as, especially as this, you know, the season went on and, you know, that's it, good. You yeah. want to see a manager that's able to adapt and stay true to, to your core identity, but also be smart and, and, you know, do things that that ultimately means winning, because that is the most important thing. Yeah, and, and I think that's an important distinction to bring up, right? Is that it's about wrinkles, right? We're not straying away from pressing soccer. I mean, but we are changing how and where we plan to press, right? And I think you saw some ideas being toyed with where it's going to be less all-out pressing from the go, right? Defender gets on the ball, they flank out right, pressing trigger, right? No, it's not going to be like that. I mean, I think like you're already you're starting to see. Bit more trap based, um, trap based pressing, right? Mm-hmm. Where the players will sit on the ball, and then it's something in a mid block in the center of the field that triggers the press, right? Stuff like that. It's going to be a. I think uh, you're definitely moving towards a meta that's more, um, less about the aggression in the press and more about controlling the space in a way that flushes, um, you know, players in the opposition, like that manipulates players in the opposition through the way that you close down space and then around. I think uh, the traps that, you know, sorry for saying this name, Julian Nagelsmann was doing at Leipzig was probably <laughs> an indication of the way forward, right? Yeah. People will not like me saying that. I don't give a fuck. It's true, okay? Like, um... But the way he dresses, is, whack. Yeah, the way he dresses sucks. <laughs> Everything about Nagelsmann sucks, okay? But I think you cannot, you know, I think like as much as you want to knock on people being like obsessed with Tiki Taka, right? You cannot be obsessed with Ralph Ball in the same way that will forever like that it's absolute and it's not prone to change or being not being prone to counter strategies. That's absolutely not the case, right? There will need to be some semblance of change to um, like in the introduction of these wrinkles, right? In order to make sure that pressing soccer can stay relevant. Right, just because teams are more prepared for it now in 2021 than they right. were like five or six years ago, that goes for MLS as well. 
right? You saw the way that Hernan Losada and co like managed to shut down a press at DCU against our team. You see the way, you know, Jim Curtin was prepared for it. It was Philadelphia Union team against us. You know, I think uh, this, we are at a teleological phase for pressing soccer, I think, in the overall European meta, right? And what, and it does seem to me that we are moving more towards, um, I think, a more Nagelsmann-informed style of play. I mean, even here, right? Schubert-Schein introduced these elements of a mid, uh, mid-block traps as well. Schubert's trying to element, incorporate these elements of vertical ball playing as well and the way that we build up, right, in attack, right, by creating these overloads in the center of the field. You know, we cannot cling to these tenets and say that this is how things are. This is how it will be forever because that is how we slide into irrelevance, basically, as teams become more, you know, familiar with the way that we play and counter-strike more effectively. Yeah, and, and you know, it is not like, there weren't moments of just like complete, you know, super aggressive, high pressing, pure chaos either. We saw plenty of moments of, of, of that still, but it's about just kind of being smarter uh, because, you know, opposing teams have become smarter. They, they've adapted. So you have no choice but to adapt to them adapting. Um, it's about picking and choosing those moments a little, you know, being a little smarter with, with when you pick and choose those moments to attack and, and being smart, knowing, okay, this isn't working, dropping back a little bit. It's, it's doing things in waves and um, yeah, just, just being, just being smart, you know, and, and um, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Things, you know, life changes. You know, what, what, what can you do? You, you either adapt or you don't. And if you don't, you lose. Yeah. I think if I can if I can sum up this this past discussion in a simple phrase is that energy drinks come in different flavors. <laughs> God damn it! You know what? He's as right. long as as long as you don't go diet, it's fine. I hate the fact that he's right. <laughs> that's a, that's a good that's a good capstone in this uh, segment. So I think we'll just kind of leave yeah. it. At that. Uh, yeah. I guess we'll go around the room and uh, name our player of the year, I guess, uh, before we move on to uh, the future talk, I guess. Um, and obviously, I think um, we will award this year's MetroFan TV player of the year by consensus because we have a tiebreaker now, unless we all name three different players. Uh, so I will go first. I am obviously biased. It should be Carlos Cornell. Right? I agree. Okay, so I um, think that's two. Uh, <laughs> I think I think I think it's Carlos Cornell too. But if I can make the case for another player, I think uh, we've I think we uh, quietly watched the best season of Sean Davis's career mm-hmm. this season. Uh, probably Fat Mob had the highest rating of this team at seven point five two. I think who scored had like six point nine two. But like on average, I think he was probably the top performer in this team. He was fifth in the league for tackles obviously leading the team and then he led the team in key passes which should you want that maybe not but um what's the phrase uh if you do everything right it looks like you're doing nothing at all and i think that's what we watched from sean davis this season but i I do agree that that uh, carlos cornell gets it gets gets player of the year i'm gonna give my honorable mentions to john tolkien because i like to see a good local boy already thrive and he has been fantastic as a left back in the system Hard to forget that he's only, what, 19 years of age? And this is his first full professional season? I mean, that's big, right? I will also give an honorable mention to Sean Nealis and Andres Reyes, like I said. Right. Center back pairing, you know, that's great. And we have Aaron Long coming back next year. I mean, 
this is this is the foundation for a really really good defensive corpse at the very least. Yeah, my my honorable mention is definitely Sean Davis. I mean, honestly, if 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 Cornell just didn't have a, a damn near you know Robles twenty eighteen uh, twenty eighteen type type season, I, I Davis is probably a runaway. Um, but man, Carlos had such a fucking good year. Davis, what what makes Davis so impressive at the fact that he played so many games? It's not the fact that it was something like oh you know just just he's not hurt to so just play him. It's that he was fucking reliable. He was probably the most reliable player the whole season. Maybe even a little bit more more than um than Cornell was like at at no point during the season. Did I ever feel like uh, maybe Davis isn't up for it? I mean, there were some times I'm like, I hope he doesn't die because he's playing every fucking minute. But that was more just concern for his health and his well-being yeah. more than his ability to, to actually perform well. He had such a good fucking game, uh, such a good season. He was just he was reliable. And that's so important in a season like this where you're you're in this transition phase of of you know a new manager, you know, new tactical changes with a new mind. You know, there's still a lot of leftover players, a lot of new players, a lot of unknowns. Um, you know, formation changes and it didn't seem to phase him. He pretty much fit in just about all all of the the tactical transitions and changes and formation changes. He kind of just did what he had to do. Um, so many injuries this year and. Yeah, man. Just no matter what the season threw, Davis was ready and he performed well. I mean, you you quite literally could not ask any more of, of Sean Davis. Just an absolutely fucking amazing year, and I I really hope that they uh, they they figure out a way to bring him back next year. Yeah, both he both Davis and Cornell played every minute the season of every game. Um, the only other player to have done that in the league uh, was I think Jacob Glesnis at Philly. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, I mean, I think for someone who we've knocked on for a lack of motor, a lack of endurance, I mean, the very fact that he's been trotted out there and puts like really decent, competent minutes every single time. Whatever, right? whatever his TikTok cook mom is feeding him, uh, dude. <laughs> Lynn, keep, dude, keep doing you. it. <laughs> like the, the top three things that's ever owned me the most. That I think the fact that I spent so much time insisting that he just cannot physically handle covering that much ground and then here he is covering for most of the season more ground than anyone else in the league and i'm pretty sure he ended up finishing like second or third yeah and did all that while doing really well which also i guess kind of changes a little bit of history where it showed that when he was initially asked to do that in a previous year it wasn't that he physically couldn't handle it it just wasn't the right direction to to you know put him in, in a position to succeed in doing that um, what a fucking year, man. And Nealis too. Nealis stepped up. Fuck. Like, I kind of always, I kind of, don't say always, but for a while, I, I kind of figured he would be, end up, end up being maybe like a, a cheap Parker. And it, I, I think Parker ended up being an expensive Sean Nealis. <laughs> you know? In all honesty, I feel like you have to kind of reverse that a little bit. And, and, and Nealis, Nealis is a better player than Parker at a fraction of the cost. I mean, the dude was rock solid this year. I don't I don't think I've seen a player make such a big leap f- 
from one year to the next. I mean, the dude had some fucking howlers last season. He had maybe one or two this year. He yeah. was rock solid back there, man. And not just in terms of general performance, but like, you know, you could see him commanding that back line and, and vocal and, and yeah, just another guy who was reliable. Huge yeah. jump. And, if, and that, that's another guy who were, you know, one of the few players that you can kind of just rely on this whole season. Yeah, I think uh, the physical, I mean, I think previously we knew the physical ability was always there, right? Because he was big, rangy, could cover a lot of ground. It was just that, you know, I think the technical side of things were a bit messy, right? Some hospital balls here and there. But seeing how much he's uh, made strides in the mental side of the game, you know, that's big. Uh, Definitely banner year for Strong Island defenders, for sure. Uh, (laughs) On that note, um, I don't know. Anybody want to get some pointing shots before we go through uh, the uh, end of year decisions? Um, I guess we could talk about, I think one point I have about Coronel is like, it's very interesting to see him succeed in this league, uh, while being for lack of a better phrase, a modern goalkeeper. I think this league, uh, tends to like, I think with just American soccer, we tend not to think about goalkeepers. Like, I think the other, the, like the other best goalkeeper this season would have been, um, Who's the guy at New England? I forget his Matt name. Matt Turner. <laughs> Matt Turner, who yeah. is an excellent goalkeeper, but very much in the traditional stop, shot-stopping role and not yeah. sort of a well-rounded um, goalkeeper that we saw from Carlos Coronel this season. Yeah, I think um, Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. But to be honest, I haven't seen enough of Matt Turner play to really come to that conclusion. So, uh, But I'll take your word for it, for sure. <laughs> um, I think, uh, yeah, so... I think that. Well, I'll tell you what, he he's definitely the uh, he's definitely the, the 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 best the best synergy signing we've ever had. By, oh yeah, oh for sure. Oh yeah, by quite a margin. <laughs> I mean, I think the bar is like pretty low, right? I mean, like, who was it before this? Like fucking Mark Chetkovsky. I mean, like that's not really a very high yeah. bar here now, is it? No. You know, what, <laughs> no, to, to to be fair though, I mean, the first year he was with us, he was he was solid. Like I, I looking back, I don't know. I think maybe we, I, what made him look worse was he was relied on a bit too much, and he never should have been that kind of player. But right. he was yeah. a he was a he was a decent player. Yeah, you know, he scored some bang. He scored a couple of bangers, and you know he, he you had know, some good games. But you know, not every not every just like not every transfer is going to be a, a you know a Cornell. You know, not every player is going to be an Omar Domar either. He was, I think. If, any, if there's a benchmark, okay, like... wait, no, I'm going to have to stop you there because Damari fucking ruled. Sorry. That's <laughs> put a tackle. Fucking... Okay, sorry. Fucking go go playoff Frederick moment. Like, get the fuck out of here. Not every transfer is, is is a Cornell, but not every transfer is a Gold Branson. There's, there's, an, there's a guy Nielsen, in the middle. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say if, if we got, like, another Sharkovsky kind of, like, profile of of just like just a decent like just a guy kind of player that just didn't cost eight hundred thousand dollars on a salary like he did before i'd be fine with that like i wouldn't call it like a flop or a shitty kind of you know synergy sizing signing it'd be okay like it's it's as long as we don't get another type of you know gold branson then then that's fine yeah i mean i guess we were supposed to earlier this year when we were linked as latko janusovic but you know i mean uh whatever it is what it is i guess you know, I, mean, like, I think the point still kind of stands for me, though, that like a decent energy guy off the bench isn't a particularly high part of clear, but it's glad yeah. that he did anyway. You know, like yeah. if you ask me, 
um, yeah, so I think there you go. Uh, player of the year for 2021 Metro Fan TV is uh, Carlos Miguel Coronel. Congratulations, Carlos. I think we've named a defensive player every single year that this podcast has been. So. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, like I said, we'll touch upon the roster decisions real quick because I think uh, everybody kind of knows what's going on. But the big releases would obviously be the big news, obviously, being that Kyle Duncan and Danny Royer will not be returning to the team. So thank you guys for your service. Best of luck, Kyle, in uh, that fake-ass country, Belgium. And uh, best of luck, Danny, wherever you may go. We also say goodbye for now to Tom Edwards, Andrew Gutman, and Yuba Diara. Um, Yuba, man. <laughs> kind of kind of dug his emergence personally as like uh, the irony Twitter player to root yes. for. Like, I, d- I dig that. <laughs> yeah. That's a shame. What, what, another player, what could have been? Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I'll tell you I- what, though. Uh, he showed there – were, there were some moments where – I I, um, I saw myself saying I get it. I I, I definitely understand why why uh, why Stuber brought him over and, and why he may have hoped that he would have been a little more of a success. Yeah. Although I think looking at the team's press release, it doesn't seem to me that they are keen on bringing back either Diara or Gutman. Right? Saying as hell, like they only mentioned discussions that their are, loans were expiring. Yeah. Yeah, the loans yeah. expiring. Edwards was the only one that they were uh, negotiating uh, to bring him back. Yeah, Edwards, Davis, and Jermay in discussion to be brought back in 2022. So yes, uh, we also see. So that leaves, yeah, that leaves Fabio Egbo, Matthias Jorgensen, and it doesn't mention Caden Clark, but yes, Caden Clark is also gone. I I, I don't know who that is. Me neither. Anyway, but like I guess, I guess if if there's one player I want, if if I want to memorialize here, it's uh, it's Fabio. Despite not being a good fit, Fabio interestingly had a lot of iconic moments this season. Like every goal he scored was like a banger. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, I think the, I mean, uh, to use a dead term, the swag factor like always increases exponentially whenever Fabio's on the field. Yes. Right. I mean, look, I mean. At one point, we had the most Chad strike partnership in MLS, and I'm kind of sad that like it's gone. <laughs> best, best of luck to Fabio. I hope that any team in the J League signs him that's not FC Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'll probably hang around in Brazil for a bit, and I think uh, I think so. But you, uh, you'll probably like uh, look back on him as a oh, remember that guy kind of dudes like uh, I don't know like what's another good analog. For him. Uh, Remember that ooh. dude, Brazilian players and MLS probably shit like uh, I wouldn't say Gilberto, Juninho, maybe. But, yeah, Gilberto, something like that. Like, remember that guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So I think no real big surprises here, right? From these end of year roster releases. Um, uh, the good news is, of course, I think especially with uh, the release of Egbo and Jorgensen, is, is that we do free up quite a fair bit of cap space to work with. And uh, on top of that, with the trades that happened over the course of the season, is that we also have quite a fair bit of general and target allocation money to work with, right? Which we're already putting to good use by bringing in Inter-Miami's best player for a second year in a row. <laughs> so, I mean, Broke uh, is saying that Red Bull 2 is our reserve team, but Woke is saying that Inter-Miami is our reserve team, boys. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, 
<clears throat> yeah, who's yeah, saying man. that we're like that we're helping Inter Miami out like by taking by like by effectively weakening them? Yeah, I mean that's fucking soy face. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> that's a dipshit take. Like yes, Bill Neville making, is making teams better by taking their best player when they've proven that they can't use like resources given to them like effectively. Yeah, sure. I'm supposed to be terrified about that. That's so fucking dumb. That being said, <laughs> Sorry for going off on this slight side rant, but, you know, I mean, uh, already making waves in the transfer market with Lewis Morgan, right? I think uh, there's that. Um, it, it seems to me that it's going to be a season, an off-season of change, right? Because I think, of course, the big news breaking uh, earlier today as well, that John Wallenick will not be returning as Red Bull 2 manager. So uh, another guy that we have to say goodbye to. Um, uh it kind of, you know, I mean, it kind of harkens back to what Kevin Bellwell himself was saying like earlier this season, right? Is that this team is going to get potentially potentially get younger. We're probably going to be moving away from Red Bull 2 being like a finishing school or like an extended tryout for college level prospects, right? It's going to be a bit more focused on uh, being the last level of the academy, I think, perhaps. While also bringing in like a more international prospects with potential, right? I think we have the link to that Panamanian center back, uh, what's his name? Um, Cragwell, Christopher Cragwell, right? Cragwell, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, changes are abound, and I think uh, it'd be a good time for me to uh, launch this question, right? That we received in the mailbag here today. Um, what are the biggest positional needs, and where do we need additional help? Uh, depth. So this came from Patrick Dowan. Thank you for the question, as always. And I think we already talked about this um, earlier this episode, right? I think um, with the amount of allocation money we have, I do think we can expect some big splashes for the attacking midfield positions. I do think uh, Lewis Morgan will be the first of a, the attacking first attacking player that we bring in. We will obviously need to bring in a replacement right back. It may or may not be Tom Edwards. Uh, even if it is Tom Edwards, I wouldn't be 100% opposed to it because I think he proved himself uh, very useful, right? Being able to slot in in various positions in our back line and it becomes affordable, I would be okay with him being a part of this team, right? We cannot discount that versatility. Um, our left side of the uh, defense is a lot more set, right? We have John Tolkien. We have Lucas Monzon, who can potentially play left center back as well. Um, so I think we are a bit have a bit more depth there um i'm not really sure what the plan is when it comes to backing up john tolkien we shall see i would definitely pinpoint but i would definitely say that the starting right back would be a priority um and um, it would probably be another, either a central attacking midfielder or a Another player like Morgan Wright, who can kind of play in the mold of being uh, sort of uh, sort of that hybrid wide player slash attacking midfielder that can tuck in. Maybe that's Omir Fernandez. Maybe the central attacking midfielder that they go to for next year is Mikey Armona. Who knows, right? But I would probably say that those would be, like, again, that's my shopping list. It's uh, fullbacks and attacking midfielders. Well, <clears throat> this is how much you have extra to spend on, on your little shopping list. So uh, adding the salaries of all the players who are definitely not going to come back, whether it's from loans, not, uh, not options not picked or, you know, loans just kind of done, only counting players that, that actually hit the cap <clears throat> uh, between Royer, 
Edwards, Fabio, Diaro, uh, Jorgensen, Egbo, Gutman. That is about three million dollars. Right. Whoa. Yeah, that's a lot. Now, now, (laughs) how much of that is or was like straight cap hit versus how much like what portion was allocation money being used? Kind of doesn't matter because you're either a freeing up straight up cap space or or and or uh, uh, freeing up allocation money that you can now use. Yeah. But three million dollars is a significant amount of fucking money yeah. on a team who, you know, the total the total roster spending was eight and a half million, including the players who don't hit the cap. I think it was something like seven and a half or something like that if you don't include you know the supplemental and whatever roster players so that's it's like 40 percent of what theoretically would have been actual cap hit or allocation hit players that's a lot of fucking money yeah uh this is of course discounting the fact uh, that we don't know what the uh raises are going to look like this year right until the salary yeah, yeah. Uh, spreadsheet comes out again next year but uh three million discounting the fact Discounting raises that we don't know about as of yet is still a lot of money. I agree, <laughs> basically. Um, I don't know, fellas, anywhere else where you may want to see us uh, take a stab at improving, or is that kind of uh, sum it up for you guys as well? It's really um, good to the room. I agree with the idea that we need another, we need new fullbacks, in as much as um, even if we do bring Tom Edwards back, just because we have, like, who would be starting? It would be. Tolkien in that spot or Edwards in that spot. And I'm just thinking these are guys who we value because they can go two ways. Edwards, because he can also play as a center back Tolkien, because he can also play in midfield. But I think we need at least one or two guys that we know that can slot into that spot, uh, reliably, uh, and just that spot or even another one, but just like, I like just having an extra fullback is helpful. Cause now that we know we have two gone with Ed, no, not maybe Edwards, but like Duncan and uh, Jason Pendant, wherever he is. Um, this, I don't know if this is controversial. I think we might need another striker in as much as I worry about uh, fatigue on Klimala. I think he takes care of himself. It's not, but it's just like we're thinking the team does not look as good when they don't have Klimala on the field. And I'm just thinking, like, yeah. do we have another option um, the only one I can think of is Omar. So, and I don't know if he's ready for that and he could, or he could be, but I'm just thinking like we have one striker written in permanent marker on the team sheet and the rest are, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, there's, there's Barlow. Um, I said permanent mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. It's weird. I mean, I feel like we never really had that super solid number two. I mean, even even when Brad was around, it was basically Brad and then like Brian kind of just, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you kind of just shrug your shoulders to guys who people made fun of who suddenly love all of a sudden, but we want to get into that. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, in, in this league, it's kind of hard to have that set up, right? Like, you, you, if you're playing. A single striker setup you pretty much have like your guy and you kind of expect your guy barring injuries to pretty much play all the games or the overwhelming majority of the games and the games that they don't maybe you platoon a little bit and they play 45 minutes or you just kind of shrug your shoulders and shuffle things around and put someone in there i mean 
maybe Morgan plays up top or something. I mean, it's it's hard to say. We we probably should get an, another striker, but it's I guess kind of hard to determine who that guy would be because I mean, you know, I guess kind of thinking back in the last couple of years, those those like backup strikers for the most part have been guys that were signed from Red Bull too. You know, we didn't really. The only guy that the only striker, the only strikers we went out and got for the idea of being like the other guy was Goldbranson and Damari. Yeah, so, you know, mean, the only other person who kind of ended up kind of working in that role was Royer, and that was on occasion more as a second striker. And then he was no longer that anymore. So it's, I don't know. It's that's kind of a weird position to to I think right now at least to kind of think about. Yeah, I, mean, I honestly don't know how they go about. I wouldn't preclude us occasionally running out two striker formations, perhaps. And I think, uh, you know, I think there is potential that we might switch between four and five men back lines, regardless. But whether or not that actually affects um, whether we deploy one or two strikers is another thing. I will point no, out that we no, were no. linked to. No, I will point out that we were linked to. We have been constantly linked to target strikers specifically, yeah, right, in true. the offseason window, right? We had the Croatian fella. We had the rumblings of that guy from Argentina, but I think that seems to have gone away now. Um, um, So it seems to me that, you know, we cannot discount the fact that they might not entirely be um, considering 442 Diamond to be completely dead in the water. But this is one of those things where I think about backup striker or like as someone who can chart out and we want to run out of two striker formation that could be serviced with a a synergy loan, perhaps someone who can be uh, cheap dynamic enough but also like uh, easily moved off the roster if it's just a matter of like backing up Klimala. you know i'm not sure who the um out of favor strikers are right now at the other red bull teams but you know i think it could be something that could be answered with a potential synergy loan you know if we're being smart about yeah. it i guess in my head the idea of getting like another like out and out striker is kind of put to the side only because Struber seemed to mostly abandon that for you know, a large part of the, the the tail end of the season, but it could very well have just been out of necessity. It very well could have just been like, okay, we need to at least make the playoffs. So let me, you know, let, let me just change change some things to, to, to facilitate winning and, and kind of just go from there. And yeah, maybe maybe the idea is with a proper off season, uh, you know, preseason, you know, there, there'll be enough time to properly implement a two striker formation with maybe a better fit, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we shall see. I mean, look, the, the, the clear thing is the team. The team needs to make massive strides on the attack, and, and not only the obvious of, of scoring goals, but just like fucking chance creation. Like just even just in that aspect, it wasn't like the team was only lacking a finisher. The team could not fucking create shit. Like it was really fucking bad for pretty much this entire season, and and that's that I think should be the primary focus is figuring out that midfield where they could figure out the midfield roster where they can bridge that that great you know defense and initial moments of transition with the final third because there was a gap that was just not filled this whole season whether it's tactics roster or both I think it was both but. I, I think the goals will come once you figure that out. I mean, you know, we, we have guys in the, on the roster who can score, but if they're not being consistently put in a position to score, nothing's going to happen. And we just never saw that the whole season. Yeah. 
Um, I guess uh, we'll round out this part with another question that we received in the mailbox. And this is where we kind of have to think outside the box here, gents. A uh, question from Toby Chalk. Thanks for the question. Any guys you would like to see us go after for fullback positions, either in MLS or internationally? Uh, if I'm answering this question seriously, I think the guy that they eventually bring in is either going to be Tom Edwards or a guy that nobody, none of us know about as right. of now. Right? It'll probably be some guy way off the radar uh, that is playing in, like, I don't know, some maybe some South American league somewhere. Maybe. Uh, for all we know. I mean, like, we've drawn from Panama pretty often. Could be a guy from there. Who the fuck knows, really? But if I'm being 100% biased, I want to go for fullbacks, Rio Hatate and uh, Mickey Yamane <laughs> from Kawasaki for college. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think... Well, it, if they do go to Celtic, then that's right onto the Celtic to RBNY pipeline. Yeah, no, it's true. That is true. They, 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 him, him, them and Maeda, if I'm not mistaken, maybe both yeah. Celtic. And, you know, Dyson Maeda is a guy I would like to see suit up for Red Bull New York yes. sometime. He's That's so the other striker we, we need. Yeah. Him and Klimala up top. Yeah. These guys are good. I mean, I'd take, I mean, Kyoko Furuhashi as well, but I mean, I think the guy's like on his way to like <laughs> moving to the Premier League next right. season at this rate. But yeah, um, yeah, just those two names for me. Uh, <laughs> I know it's probably never going to happen. But Hatate and uh, Mickey Yamane, they are so fucking good, man. I'm telling you. Like, I love the... Uh, they're, they're just so good at running into space and providing so much with the stiff fullbacks. If you've never seen Frontale before, like, this is what modern fullback play should look like, basically. The late runs into the wide channels and then, like, the perfect balls across the base of the six-yard box. Really, really good players. I like them a lot. Um, yeah, but that's it for me. I don't know. You guys have any insight you want to provide, or you want to take a stab at answering this one? No, I, I honestly, it's going to be some just completely random person from, I don't know, like England or some shit. It's yeah, gonna, I don't know. It's, gonna, it's just going to be someone that we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my Rolod, exactly. My Rolodex <laughs> of like good fullbacks in Europe is like, uh, hmm, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, whoever it is, I'm sure I will jump on YouTube within three minutes, and then we'll yeah. be like, "Oh, okay, this guy seems like a player." Yeah, <laughs> I can see the fit, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? Yeah, I've, I basically stopped trying to take a stab at who like we might sign because like they're they've all been so off the radar. Like it's kind of right. The most like research it. we did, I think, was when when Haksabanovich was part of the rumor, and look what the, look what happened there. Yeah, exactly. We we got we got too hour. excited. Hell of part of the eleventh hour, and we just all we all got so jazzed, heartbreaking. <laughs> anyway, um, well, I think we'll round out. Hey, how about we? So I think we'll round out the mailbag before we move on to the very last segment that we have planned for this episode. I guess since we're in the matter of answering questions now, how does Thelwell move Barlow and Pendant? Is Jensen on loan till the end of the Belgian season, and what is his fate after the loan expires? This is coming from Ed Ritter. Thanks a lot for the question, Ed. Well, Barlow can be waived, I, I would probably think. I mean, like, I don't really know what the market is going to be for Tom Barlow. Because uh, I think most of his uh, attributes, I think, his best attributes happen off the ball when it comes to pressing tenaciously. It doesn't really offer much as an outlet and attack. Pendant, I don't know, he's pretty pricey. He does is going to cost a lot. I'm not really sure if a team wants to take on international space with him. Maybe he does end up being the backup left back going into the season, just kind of buried on the uh, buried down at Red Bull 2, for all we know, like in the Manny Egbo role this year. 
And, you know, I think Jensen is on loan until the end of the season. They did say it was going to be a season-long loan. And, you know, I mean, I don't see a way that he comes back. I mean, Carlos Coronel is our goalkeeper going forward. Um, they probably try to loan him out again, move him on until his contract expires, basically. Someone wants to take him out permanently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jensen's probably the easiest one to imagine a scenario for. The other two, not 100% sure. Uh, like I'm, like I don't even know what the state of of Jason Pendant is with the team and like with his contract situation, and then Barlow. I don't know. Do we trick whatever St. Louis team into signing him? I don't know. Well, we could always just wave him, and he just ends up signing anyway. To be honest, I that's, think that's probably what ends up happening. Yeah, but you know, I mean, like he's you're going to be like your what third or fourth striker in the depth chart. Like, it doesn't really matter. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would imagine this would be his last year. Um, I, I would, I don't know. He makes a, a pretty decent chunk of money. Granted, given how much you know, the team has, has freed up, I don't think it's that pressing of an issue at this point. Um, but, I mean, if, if they can't find somewhere to send him, I, I, I guess you just kind of maybe throw him with Red Bull 2 again for the season. Like, at this point, 2022 RB2 is... Like, who cares? Like, you know, it's the last season in USL. Who knows what the plan is for next year? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Jensen, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure his loan is until the summer of next year. So he would have, I'm assuming, another six months, you know, if they don't pick up uh, if they don't pick up his option, they don't want him, you know, to transfer, then I, I, I guess he comes back for half a season unless he gets the bank treatment. I, I don't know. Um I, I can kind of see Pendant sticking around for a little bit, maybe. Not anything about it, but I don't know. There's just those are just two weird players, man. Yeah, two very weird players. Like I just, I, I really, I, I couldn't, I couldn't even. Whatever idea I would even think, I, I could just be completely off the mark. It's almost not even worth trying to guess. I really have no idea. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh. Final question coming from Patrick Haddad. Thank you, Pat. Uh, shout out to Off the Pricked Pod. Do you think Kevin Thelwell watches the sub or the dub of Seinfeld? Uh, I wouldn't. I would be interested if he said sub or dub. Yeah, I they have, they have to translate it from American English to English, you know. Right, yeah. Or it. like, uh, I don't think he means the uh, Seinfeldo, but. Uh, you think there are like you think there are tapes of like Seinfeld dubbed into into Welsh that are available somewhere? You know, someone on YouTube's probably already done it. Like, <laughs> I, I just want to see. I just want to hear what like Kramer and George Costanza sound like in Dutch, or not Dutch, uh, Welsh, not Dutch. I don't want to hear either of them in Dutch. I want to hear them in Welsh. I imagine a Dutch dub is actually just the English dub, but with more honk. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they just randomly say honk here and there. I was like, no honk for you. <laughs> oh, it's spoken by the guy who does the Dutch English duds for the giant killing. <laughs> or giant <Yes>. killing. <laughs> like Dol- Dolphers, like fucking uh, English voice. Honky. Honky Eddie, mine friend, uh, uh, Bob Sakamano. <laughs> honk, 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 honk. And even the bass line is like, honk, 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 honk. <laughs> 
Sorry, this has really gotten off the rails uh, in the last few seconds. Uh, so uh, shall we move on to the game? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, we've, I, I believe we played this game twice. Uh, this is Fernando's first time in the game. Uh, so what we'll do is uh, we've all picked a player who has played for the Metro Stars or the New York Red Bulls in our heads. And so we will each take turns naming a team that they have played for uh, in their career. And we'll just like take turns figuring out what player that is. Uh, good exercise in remembering dudes. Uh, that's about it. Uh, this is how this is how you properly remember the Metro Star, the Metro Stars years. Yes. By the way. Yes. I agree. Okay, I have a player. Can I go first? Yeah, go for yeah. it. Yeah. You, no one's ever going to get it. Metro Stars. Galaxy. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. Name one, one club one at a time. One club at a time. So don't name the Metro Stars, obviously, because okay. that's Ga- okay. Galaxy. Um, it's not Chris Armis, is it? No, gosh. <laughs> Chris Armis never played for us. God. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, I'm just going to shitpost Chicharito. <laughs> All right, Lindsay, you want to go next or should I go next? Uh, I can go next. I have my okay, point. go for it. Uh, Boca Juniors. Ooh. Oh yeah, Fernando. If you have an idea, you can go for it. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to think. Uh, can we get hints? I haven't, I haven't actually played this. Well, no, the I think is, uh, the club at a time. So I guess if you don't know, you can just say pass for now. Yeah. Uh, wow, Boca Juniors. It's. <laughs> I feel like that should be known just because like that. That's a big club. And I, there's certain someone in this fan base who would have let us know that. Um, I'm going to have to pass too. Yeah, I'm going to have to pass. Oh, yeah. my team. Okay. So my uh, <laughs> FC Dallas. Oh, oh, I mean, this is definitely Jesse Gonzalez, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Dax McCarty. It is not Dax McCarty. Yeah, that would have been too Damn, obvious. That's what I was going to say. Fuck. That would have been way too yeah, obvious. Yeah, that would have been obvious. Yeah. Um, All right, what's the next player for next club for your player, Fernando? Like, name them in any order. I lost the tab. You lost the tab. <laughs> what okay. was it? Sorry? The Timbers. The, Tim- the Timbers, so LA Galaxy, and the Timbers. LA Galaxy and the Timbers. So it's a it's a recent player. Salzizo. Nope. Oh, I know he played for Timbers too. I think right. Yeah, uh, LA Galaxy oh. and the Timbers. This might be like the most obscure random player. Oh man, uh, it's not Kendall McIntosh, is it? Nope. Okay. Yeah, the story by Kendall McIntosh is that uh, we were playing uh, our pickup, get our our seven v seven league ASC Geoguesser, and someone on our team wore a Kendall McIntosh goalkeeper shirt from the Timbers, and I'm like, "Is that a Kendall McIntosh jersey?" And they're like, "How do you know who this person is?" He was one time third string goalkeeper. Kendall exactly, McIntosh, and so it's like that's 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 when this person learned that like she was playing with a bunch of nerds. Okay, uh, Lens, do you, you're going next, right? Uh, yes. Uh, his next team is America de Cali. Oh man. 
wait, so it's Boca Juniors and America de Cali. See, si. is it is it is it Anthony de Avila? No, it is not Anthony ah, de Avila. Damn, yeah. <sighs> I feel like this should be such an obvious one. Like those are two, those are two pretty big clubs. This has to be an, a Metro Stars, but this has to be an older player then. Definitely, yeah. Are you Googling? You're not are allowed you to go- What are you doing? <laughs> no, no, <I'm> <laughs> <laughs> no, I was replying to a message. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. I, I'm never going to get this. I don't remember so many of those players. <laughs> it's okay. I think uh, once uh, we get to the bigger clubs, it'll become a lot more obvious. So. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. You guys can pass uh, if you, you have no clue, I guess. Yeah, pass. Um... Kansas City Wizards. What was the first one again? It was uh, FC Dallas and then Kansas City Wizards. Not in order. I'm just saying it's I, one team. Kansas City one. Wizards, so it must be really old, huh? Mm-hmm. Shit. Oh, I don't know. Kansas City Wizards, man. Like, I don't know. Like, that's from, like, pre-2006. So it's a player from pre-2006. But otherwise, I'm going to pass because I'm not really sure. Wait, no. They pass. Fuck. All right. Fernando, your next club. Last one. Ooh. Tampa Bay Mutiny. Oh, my gosh. Wait, so wait. LA Galaxy, Portland Mm -hmm. Timbers, Tampa Bay Mutiny. Is it Tony Miola or something? I don't think it is. Nope. It wouldn't be Tony Miola. No. Oh, man. Who played for the Mutiny? I mean, like that was like way before my time, dude. <laughs> wait, wait, so wait, it's LA Galaxy. Mm-hmm. You say Portland Timbers? Yep. Tampa Bay Mutiny. So, okay. So it's the USL so Timbers, I guess. Is it the USL Timbers? I think we're allowed, we've done this before of clarifying. Is it the USL Timbers? Um... I mean, what year? I mean, what year was it? Was it, was it pre? No, I have to. I have to. I have to think. Was it Portland entered MLS? No, in wait, 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 right? No, no, it was not the US. So it was. <laughs> it was not the US. He played Timbers. for the Mutiny How and the New Timbers. How long? It was, it was the. I, uh, if I say it, it's gonna make it. No, 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 no. That's okay. But I'm like, damn, he okay, played. Well, it was before the Timbers were were in USL. But he, but then he moved to. He went on loan to the Timbers. While they were in USL. Before they were even in USL. Before they were in I... USL. Okay. And so I'm assuming he also played for the Metro Stars then. Yes. Okay, and this is not a Red Bull player. Okay. Oh boy. Um. Wow. Wow. Could wow. Could be wow. anyone, really. This really could be anyone. I was thinking, uh, like, yeah, because to be honest, my, 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 my Metro Stars deep lore is not good. Is it, what's his name, Diallo? Nope. Okay, damn. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have to pass, unfortunately. You want to, you want to, you want to tell us who it is, Fernando? Brian Kelly, midfielder. Wow. <clears throat> who the fuck is that? <laughs> he played. This is how obscure he played 85 games for the Metro Stars. He was on a team from 97 to 2000. Yeah, 92 games in total. <laughs> been like a rotation guy, huh? 
Yeah. And then he was then he played uh then he was I guess traded to the Galaxy and from 2000 to 2001 only played 11 games was loaned to the A League Portland Timbers where Holy he played sh- one shit. game and scored in that game. Wow. Wow, dude. <laughs> then wow. was traded to the Tampa Bay Mutiny where he played two games and he later retired and he's now a banker. <laughs> That's a that is a pull. Yeah, that sounds like an MLS 1.0 journeyman. Um, yeah, man, journey wow. for sure. Um, who, who also spent team? Who also spent time with the national team? Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, U17 national team. He was at the FIFA, the twenty the ninety one U seventeen World Championships, the two thousand uh, the nineteen ninety three FIFA Youth World Championship as well, and on the U twenty national team. Wow. Extreme MLS 1.0 player right there. Oh yeah. Yeah, I would never have been able to get that in like seven million years. <laughs> Yeah. Lens, your next your next guy. Okay. Next team on my list is Atletico Nacional. Wow. Okay. So I wanna believe he's Col- you've named two Colombian clubs. So despite you naming Boca Juniors, I wanna assume he's Colombian. It's it's not Carlos Rivas, is it? No, it's not Carlos Rivas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck? Because, <laughs> yeah, you want to believe that... He, I want to believe he's Colombian, just based off those two teams. And then Colombians playing at Boca Juniors is not a weird thing, as opposed yeah. to the other way around. But, yeah, I have no idea. So is that a pass to take it? Uh, yes, unfortunately. I think right. you guys will be able to get it on the next team that I reveal anyway. So, All right, like, cool. Uh, yeah. So there are three more teams for this guy for reference. So the next team Damn. is uh, Rio Vallecano. So he went to Europe at some point. So let's recap. It's uh, He's played for FC Dallas. FC he's Dallas, played for Kansas, Kansas City, City Wizards. And Wizards, he's played for right? Not Rio sporting Vallecano. Kansas City. Yes, so specifically uh, the Kansas Wizards. City Wizards. Okay, so the Wiz rebranded in 2006, right? If I'm not mistaken. I think after that. Oh, 2000. Oh, wait, no, RSL entered the league, right? In 2006, yeah. I think that's what it was. I think they rebranded after 2010. They rebranded. Oh, yeah, it was after 2010. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so Kansas so... City Wizards, FC Dallas, and he's Rio playing Rio I don't think Seth Stamler played abroad, did he? Is it Seth Stamler? I don't think it is. But it seems like it's somebody. Seth. It seems like it someone who not. would play for. A... <laughs> I don't know. I think he's an MLS journeyman. Yeah, Rio Vallecano. That's a interesting wrinkle. Hmm. It might become more obvious with the other teams, but you'll. Yeah, I was going to say that. That if anything. Okay. <laughs> I guess of a. I guess I have to reveal my um, ace up the sleeve. Well, now. no, you have one more team, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, actually, technically, we have two more, but I think I'm going to give you guys a big break here. Uh, so, this team I'm going to say next, I think you will get it. Once Caldas. Uh, oh, is it Wilman Conde? No, it is not Wilman Conde. Damn it. But he's definitely Colombian. Oh yeah, I thought we established if he was. Did I mean that's three Colombian teams? So like he's got to be Colombian. Well, 
the hint I'm going to give you guys. Oh, maybe not because because he he start. I'm guessing he started at Boca Juniors. So he could he could be Argentinian. He just like kind of landed at at some Colombian team. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've we've just decided that we're not going in order. So yeah, but but that means it could still be in order. It could still be in order. Hmm. You're on the right track. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now put it all together, kids. And is it? Oh, is is this a red? Was this a Red Bull player or or? No, I do not know. Okay, so I, I'll, I'll give you that one. He is a, he was a Metro Star signing. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Well, I do have one more team that I can reveal. I mean, I technically have two more, but like, uh, so I wait, guess. Wait, I'll... You, you, wait, you said it was a Metro Stars player. It was a Metro Stars player. Yeah, Once Caldas. What the. F- <laughs> you might you might have to pass on this one, Fernando. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to pass. All right, uh, one team. Yeah. Okay, two more teams, and uh, so FC Utrecht. Rayo Vallecano, FC Utrecht. So he goes to the Netherlands at some point. The only guy I know from Utrecht is David Jensen. And it's definitely not David Jensen because I don't think we had any Danish teams on there, right? No. Yeah. So American guy goes to. Well, I didn't say he was American. I'm just saying he played for those two American teams or three American teams. I was about to say Michael Bradley, but no, I had to stop myself there. It's definitely (laughs) not Michael Bradley. Oh, for reference, he did play for the. He played for Red Bull, not the Metro he Stars. For Red Bull. And what were the teams again? I've named FC Utrecht. I've see, named Rio Vallecano, Kansas City Wizards, FC Dallas, and he also and he played for the New York Red Bulls, not the Metro Stars. So it's like he's an early. He's an early signing. It must be an early Red Bull signing. I don't think it's it's definitely not uh, one of the guys who did the uh, whole uh, Scandinavia track. So I'm going to discount the entirety of Norway, Denmark, and Finland. Um, yeah, I'm gonna shit. I'm gonna pass actually. Yeah, just one more team. All right, Lens, your last team. This isn't going to be a much help. Santa Fe. That's where he ends his career. Okay, this guy's Colombian. I don't know. <laughs> is it is it Sergio Galvan Ray? Is that it actually is Sergio Galvan? Holy Ray. shit. So here's the thing, that's what no I was trying way. to tell you guys. I was trying to tell you guys. He made his name in Colombia, but he's not Colombian. <laughs> right? Oh, wait, a- so where is he from? Fernando was right. No, Fernando was right. He starts his career in Argentina, but he's oh. not but he's a Colombian. So I just, wait, but I got it right. Yeah, you got it right. <laughs> so I well done. Fucked up. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it, it may have been a guy who uh, who sounds like uh, like Gavin, the middle name. I guess that's it. Oh, okay. So we'll, we'll both <laughs> take that one. Wow. God. 
Very random. That's only a name I know from like scrolling through Metro Fanatic one too many times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like all right. Sort of like the first big he, he, yeah. he looks he looks like someone I knew uh from like way back in the day. That's that's kind of why he reminds me of him. Dude, he's definitely got that haircut. Oh yeah. <laughs> like the mid the peak mid two thousands spiral cream haircut center parting. Wow. <laughs> all right. All right, my guy, last team, last clue. It is Ajax Amsterdam. Oh, God fucking damn it. Oh, I should know this. Ajax. The teams again? So in order, so now because I've named all of them, Ajax, Rio Vallecano, FC Utrecht, Kansas City Wizards, New York Red Bulls, FC Dallas. So he's Dutch, is he? Unfortunately. <laughs> is it Dave? We didn't have... Dave Vandenberg? Is it that... is Dave Vandenberg. Okay, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know why I didn't think of it. Because, like, 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 okay, now I see why, like, uh, naming the clubs in order makes this game a lot easier, you know? But yeah. I think that's not as fun, right? Because you really want to scratch your brain. Yeah. Uh, damn. The fun thing about him is that he, he was slightly too young for the IX team that won the Champions League with Louis van Gaal, but he played the next season. He debuted the next season and won the UEFA Super Cup. So he was on that team with Patrick Kluivert and uh, uh, and the coolest guy ever in Wonkwo Kanu. Oh, yeah, dude. Kanu was such a fucking baller, dude. And, Shut like, up. young Edwin van der Sar, blah, blah, blah. And, you know. <laughs> yeah, so so this, is, this is early Red Bull then, right? Like Yeah, he was um, 2007. So he was okay. that, like... He was you on know, the 2018. Yes, he was on the yeah. 2018. He scored that goal in uh, Salt Lake that sent them to the final. If I'm not mistaken. Yes, and he. Oh yeah. yeah. And he is currently uh, one of Bruce Arena's assistants at uh, at uh, New England. Well, we can we conclude, kids. Dave Vandenberg equals championships, right? Uh, well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Some people may disagree with that, but whatever. That was. Uh... <laughs> I'm gonna pat myself in the back for that one because, like, he's literally the only Dutch guy I know. Exactly. I mean, like, yo, I mean, like, 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 come on now. We're <laughs> at least he's a guy that I think people are familiar with. You know, like, you know, I, I have no idea who Brian Kelly is. Dude. Right. I, I, is that really the only Dutch player we've ever had? I don't think that's true. I don't I think it's true. I'm sure we've had another. It's just that I can't remember who they are right now. Oh. Uh, like we could be wrong. We could be wrong. It's got this is how this has a Metro Fanatic. They only have like a all time like breakdown by country, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There it is. But I think maybe Wikipedia would be better at sorting where they're from. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Ronald would. Oh, Ronald Water Water Reyes, Rangers legend. Yeah. 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 Guy who was at Rangers in the mid two thousands, Ronald Water Race. Yeah. Yes. I only <laughs> totally remember him from about like him. Pez two thousand five. Uh, like that's back when Rangers had some cool players, but we're not allowed to. Uh, we're not allowed know, to talk about them. Not allowed to talk about them. Sadly, yeah. <laughs> this is surprising. Like we've only had one player. We've only had one player from from Uruguay. We've only had three from Spain. Is the one player yeah. from Uruguay really just Lucas Monzon? Yeah. Wow, okay. 
I, w- I would have thought there'd be more, right? When uh, in early MLS yeah. days, when they were trolling like uh, slightly backwater South American countries, but I think calling Uruguay a South American backwater does it a disservice. <laughs> <laughs> the the biggest surprise is we've only had two Italian players. What? Wow. Donadoni and uh, and the curse. Oh, Caracola. Oh. oh. Yep. Not, not, not Luca Lewis. This is racism against Italians to say the curse of Caracola is racism against Italians. Okay, we're not we allowed had to three Germans. We only had three fucking Germans. Can we keep it that way? Thanks. <laughs> like- <laughs> <laughs> I, I would prefer to have uh, less. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh. That's a surprise. Now, this could be like an off-season episode, I guess. But I, I, I would like to point out that we are still rolling, technically. And I think yes, <laughs> now's are. a good time as any. We would have so much up. fun remembering yeah. news on this podcast. But we should yeah. wrap it up. Yeah, we, we should. had just as many Puerto Ricans as we did Italian players. That's really fucking <laughs> You see, that's racism against Italians as well, dude. <laughs> I believe one of them is Bill Cotet, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and the other was like, I don't know, fucking Chris. Megaludis some... is his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he ended up being like a Miami soccer guy. We should do a, we should do a Remembering Dudes episode in the offseason. But yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, that'll we'll, be fun. We'll, we'll sign off here. Um, yeah. If you guys want us to remember more dudes in the offseason to kind of fill some dead air. Talk about shit, you know, like let us know in the comments when you hear this episode. But for now, um, I'd like to thank the two of you for your time this evening. Juan, Fernando, always great as always talking to you guys. Um, you got it. Yeah, it sucks I missed so many games this season, but hopefully next year will be a little bit different. <laughs> we'll probably be back around, uh, I don't know, if and whenever news drops, I guess. Uh, we don't know if it's going to happen before Christmas, but. Until then, until we hear each other again, on behalf of Juan and Fernando, thank you guys so much for uh, listening to us over the course of the season. Uh, we hope to uh, continue it for 2022. I think we will be. So um, we, if and when you hear from us again, whenever news drops in Red Bull Soccer, we will be there to talk it with you and maybe remember some dudes and talk some wrestling over the offseason. Don't, don't quote me on, on talking wrestling, though. That, that, that's just me basically. (laughs) So that being said, guys, thank you guys again. MetroFan TV saying happy holidays. Take care of yourself. And uh, Salvador Allende was assassinated by the CIA. Thank you. (laughs) Have a good night. Bye-bye.